UC Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth. Since 1868, member FDIC. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock A lot going on. How you doing? My name is Jason Hammer. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige today. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Let's keep it local. Let's keep it here in Central Indy because it's been a busy week, two weeks of body cam footage being released to the public guy. It was last week where we had the video of the officer that shot a suspect in the back, but that suspect had a firearm that he went out of his way to get from his car and ran with it. Exactly. That body cam was released last week. We had the Greenwood Police Department's body cam of the mall shooting released, and we're going to get to that here in just a second. But just a few hours ago, a press conference wrapped up featuring the Marion County Sheriff's Department and the Sheriff, Kerry Forrestal. This was in regards to the July murder of Deputy John Durham, who was strangled by his own handcuffs by some absolute lunatic. So the press conference was earlier. They released a lot of footage, some body cam footage, and Sheriff Forrestal said that staffing issues were a part of why this tragedy happened in the first place. Two people should have accompanied him to the, two deputies should have accompanied him to Eskenazi when he was charged with murder. Well, staffing has probably got too complacent because we're so short staff. People will make decisions uh, that aren't in their best interest, whether that's the deputy, the supervisor. Uh, we have changed um, a roundabout of supervisors so we get a fresh eyes on, on different sections so that any learned bad habits could be overseen or corrected. So Guy, if you're the family of Deputy Durham, how does that make you feel hearing that? Well, I have a, a question, which is who's responsible for staffing? Is that purely a budget issue? Is it an allocation of resources issue? In other words, you've only got so many people, you, you, you decide where you're going to send them, where you're going to deploy them. Um, is it a prioritization issue? Because i got to believe that the safety of my deputies has got to be a priority if I'm the Marion County Sheriff, um, and in this case, Sheriff Forstall, um, and again, I'm not I'm not pointing blame, but that's my question that I have, which is who's responsible for staffing? And when he says they're understaffed, why is that? Is it purely a recruitment issue? Is it a budget issue? Does that mean the city of Indianapolis and Marion County aren't allocating the resources uh, and the finances to where they need to be to keep our officers safe and to keep the public safe? Because this guy was although very briefly, you know, an escaped convict there for a while. Very uh, violent. Very, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so I got to be, you know, safety of the, my officers, my deputies, and the, and the public have got to be my first priority. So to say it's a staffing issue to me raises more questions than it provides answers because who's responsible for staffing and, and why are they understaffed? Those, that's what I want to know. 
This sounds like a complete cluster you-know-what from the leadership of the Marion County Sheriff's Department. And again, there is no media outlet in the city, no show more pro-law enforcement than we are here at the Hammer and Nigel show. But if I'm a family member of Deputy Durham, I'm not real happy with that excuse this wasn't like this was a guy that stole a candy bar guy. Right. This wasn't somebody that, you know, stole a TV. This was a violent piece of human trash that not only beat a pregnant woman, ultimately shot and killed her. We're talking about a murderer here. So the press conference goes on, and these are the changes being made at the Marion County Sheriff's Department moving forward. All off-site medical transports for inmates shall require two deputies during transport. All off-site medical appointments are conducted using two deputies or combination of one deputy and one detention deputy, never two unarmed deputies. Drivers shall radio to the officer in charge of Eskenazi upon the arrival supporting the hospital visit. They'll provide additional security at the hospital during the visit. Presently, overtime, additional overtime is being used to accommodate the increase in staffing required to complete this transport. A heart defibrillator is now affixed to the wall inside the adult detention center sally port. Vehicles entering the security gate to the sally port will identify their agency and the number of prisoners on board. The control clerk will radio processing to the visor of the arrival and processing will meet the incoming driver in the sally port. Strict compliance to firearm storage enforced in the secure areas. As of August 30th, 2023, there are 196 individuals in custody for murder. Assessments began for sizes and appropriate housing to change the entire population into the entire murder population into red uniforms as an outward reminder of policy variations for anyone charged with murder that leaves the adult detention center. Immediate remedial measures, including our training academy staff providing additional belly chain retraining and they will also conduct complacency training soon. We are renewing our request for cameras for the adult detention center transport wagons. So what I heard right there, Guy, was we didn't train our staff very well. And yes, we have a few changes, but what that really was, and somebody in the YouTube chat pointed this out, it's a reinforcement of what they should have been doing in the first place. Well, that's right. And, and what I didn't hear, and one of the first questions that came into my mind was, you know, when's the last time you got in a taxi that didn't have a barrier between you and the taxi driver? I mean, that's just standard, right? And that's for, that's for you know, a presumably law-abiding citizen getting in the back of a taxi. Why don't we have that kind of a barrier in the vans that are transporting these prisoners? Why was there nothing to protect Deputy Durham? Not only perhaps another officer who's there to control the inmate, right. but he's in the driver's seat. This guy's sitting behind him, and there's no barrier between a, a violent, convicted murderer and you with your back to him as you're trying to drive the van. That just seems like way too much opportunity for, for violence and mayhem when you've got that kind of a prisoner and, and that kind of a failing of of equipment, it seems to me. That's that's a primary question I have as well uh, as, as everything else we just heard. And I get the staffing issues. I mean, IMPD, they desperately need bodies. The Marion County Sheriff's Department, they desperately need bodies. I totally understand that. But when you're dealing with a lunatic at this level, again, this wasn't somebody that broke into a house right, exactly. and stole somebody's TV. This was a murderer. You make plans to have two people. That yeah. seems like that's common sense. Exactly. Uh, Greenwood Police, they have released the body cam footage of some of their officers 
in regards to the Greenwood Park Mall shooting that took place in 2022. Now, there are other departments that are assisting in this. I know Southport police arrived. Beach Grove police had a hand in that. Some other folks as well. But here's a little bit of the uh, body cam audio that we pulled from the video from the Greenwood police. You need what you need. You good? You want to blocked off from here to there? Wait, we need to be checking doors on stores. If the gate's not down, check the door. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anybody in here? Anybody in here? Police department, anybody back here? Okay, come on out with your hands up, guys. Come on out. We're go- okay, come on. You're fine. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Just keep your hands up, guys. Keep your hands up. Come on out. Keep your hands up. Keep your guys' hands up. I'll follow behind. Follow this group. Follow this group. So that was the police going store to store after the gunman had already been shot and killed by Eli Dickin. But they didn't know that the whole situation had been resolved at that point. So they're going store to store, telling people to get your hands up, escorting people out to safety. A little bit of uh, what went on that day. Yeah. And, you know, um, since I represented Eli uh, as his attorney, I was actually able to see the security video of the shooting itself uh, and Eli's response. And um, and 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 I got to tell you, I mean, I've uh, over 40 years as an attorney, I've spent a lot of time interacting with law enforcement. Uh, a lot of that's been good. A lot of it's been not so good. But I have been entirely impressed with the Greenwood Police Department and their response to this shooting and, and their uh, conduct of the investigation as well. I just think um, Chief Eisen down there uh, did a fabulous job. I think their officers uh, turned out uh, to, to really display that they're well-trained. And I just have nothing but positive things to say. And I think anything you saw in that video or heard in that audio is uh, is also consistent with that. That these, um, you know, the, these folks, you know, without obviously a lot of experience in responding to a mass shooting situation, with thank God there's not that much experience to have uh, here in Indiana. And what we've had is too much. But what they what they demonstrated, I think, is a very well trained, very professional department. And I have nothing but. But, but positive things to say. And I've seen things the public hasn't seen, including right. the, the actual shooting itself and the initial response when law enforcement arrived on the scene. And the thing that this body cam footage reminds me of is that as well as Greenwood and Southport and IMPD and Beach Grove all did their jobs there, responding, doing everything right. Imagine how worse that would have been had there not been a good guy with a gun in that mall? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I I, I went uh, to a training seminar that was part of the Indiana or the National Association of School Resource Officers uh, that was held right here, and a, and a guy named uh, Ed Monk, who's the literally the, the the national authority on mass shootings. This guy has spent 20 years studying every mass shooting in American history, going all the way back, and he put on a, a seminar about what we've learned from the, our history of mass shootings, and and he basically basically said, in order to keep casualties under double digits, you need a response in the first 10 seconds. Think about that. You need a response from someone armed and someone someone willing to deploy lethal, vicious, violent, deadly force 
in the first he said 10 to 30 seconds and if you're not if wow. you don't have that capacity you're going to have double digit fatal not fatalities but casualties in the sense of of de- dead or wounded and and he and he, he threw the numbers up he showed the statistics and all the mass shootings and and who died when throughout these and 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 that is a perfect example i mean we had three innocent people die in greenwood and i never want to forget that because a lot of people look at it like it's a huge success and obviously it was in the sense that more people weren't hurt we had three innocent people die but that's because eli responded in 15 seconds 15 seconds from the first shot the bad guy took eli dick and is an armed private citizen carrying a gun. And oh, by the way, carrying a concealed firearm that Joe Hogsett wants to eliminate in Marion County. So does right? Jefferson Shreve. And so does Jefferson Shreve wants to revoke constitutional carry. They both want to limit the opportunity for anybody like an Eli Dickin to do what he did in Greenwood. But an armed private citizen interrupted that shooting in 15 seconds. That's why you had only three casualties. Man, we got a loaded show for you today. We've got hurricane updates. We've got updates on where Joe Hogsett may have been during the riots. We've got updates on Dr. Jill speaking to Westfield and Mitch McConnell freezing up again. Just a scary, sad situation. So we've got all of that, but we're going to have fun, too. You know how we get down here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. So stay with us all afternoon. Guy Relford's in for Big Nige at 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Boy, there was a party in Westfield earlier. Nothing rocks the house like an appearance... From the good doctor, Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady and the Surgeon General, visited Westfield High School to talk about mental health resources for students earlier, Guy. And the thing that's weird, and I heard Rob talking about this earlier today, we mentioned it yesterday, this was kind of kept secret. Like, Westfield knew she was coming. Dr. Jill, the good doctor, knew she was going to go there, but nobody wanted to promote this. Why would you not promote this? Well, security is the first thing that pops into my mind, right? Are they just worried about giving too much advance notice? Like, they try to keep the president's agenda, you know, um, hidden until the very last second so people can't prepare uh, perhaps some kind of uh, of an attack on the president or the first lady. Uh, I, I wouldn't think in Westfield, Indiana, Jill Biden would be a real prime target for some kind of criminal activity, but that's the first thing that pops into my mind. See, the first thing that I thought of was they don't want to get booed. They view Indiana yeah, as right. a red state, right? And even though Westfield's a little, yeah. eh, 
Yeah. Uh, Indiana, the Biden administration looks at that as a very red state. And I don't think they wanted the Hawaii response where even Hawaii was a blue state. But when Joe Biden walked over there to look at the damage from the fires, he got the FJB chant and they were booing him out of the state. Yeah. Yeah. Or when or when Jill went to Texas, wasn't it Jill who went down there and said, you know, our, our, our immigrants down here have, have all the wonderful variety of uh, Mexican tamales or some crazy thing. I mean, she said something that was completely offensive to, to anyone. So I don't know. Which is on par with what her husband does every day. Well, yeah, no, exactly right. But I, I don't know. I, I can't think of any legitimate reason. I, the one you mentioned probably makes the most sense, um, which is just not wanting to have a negative reaction from the local citizenry. Now, there's a lot of people that are saying, why are you talking about mental health to high school students? Are you going to push some sort of government thing onto the students? I didn't take it that way at all. To be honest, who else better than Jill Biden, the person married to Joe Biden, is there in this country to speak about the early signs of mental decline? I got hairy legs that turn, (laughs) that, 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 that turn... Uh, um, blonde in the sun. I mean, that's who you want, right? If you're going to talk about, you know, how to detect early signs of mental de- decline, <laughs> you want the good doctor because she sees it every day. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I do have to throw out my my uh, stepdaughter uh, is uh, is a student at Westfield High School, and she was one of the founders of a group called Robbie's Hope, and um, is based on a teen that, that had committed suicide, um, and uh, it's all about suicide prevention. And she was actually one of the people that got to meet with the first lady today. So, uh, on just a personal family note, it was uh, kind of a neat experience for her. So, we're going to do choose your own adventure here, guy. We've got okay. time for one more story. Okay. Do you want to talk about Subway restaurants now having a blimp? Or do you want to talk about a scandal in chess that involved anal beads? Uh, when can you ever turn down the anal bead discussion? See, Kylan, that's exactly what Kylan <laughs> said during the commercial break. 100% spot on. So about a year ago, there was this scandal in chess. Like the greatest chess player in the world got beat by some scrub, and there were some cheating allegations. The number one guy thought that the scrub that beat him was cheating by having electronic anal beads (laughs) and people who were watching the match remotely were sending him a little shock little to let him know exactly what moves to make so this is like a code you know like knight to queen's four or something is he's getting this through electronic stimulating anal beads. Like the Houston Astros would bang a can. This guy would get a shot right in the old backside. (laughs) Well, it turns out the guy has been cleared of any wrongdoing. Uh, He has been cleared of using vibrating anal beads. That is the good news. Well, to cheat. It doesn't mean he wasn't using them. He perhaps he was just able to establish this as his personal relaxation method, right. and this is what this is what allows him to play the best possible chess. I don't know. What if he wears them all the time? Yeah, I mean, yeah. going to Kroger, going to church, <laughs> going to go play some chess. These exactly. are just kind of my thing. But do you really win though when this story has to come back out in the media? Yeah, exactly. We talked about it a year ago. We're talking about it again, and now this guy, hot. <laughs> Hans Neiman, uh, the chess guy, cleared of using electronic shocking anal beads guy. To cheat. 
Yeah, cheat. yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> no news is good news when it comes to public disclosure <laughs> of your electronic anal beads. <laughs> we probably should have done the subway blimp story instead. Yeah, it's so, not named Jared, is it? Stop it! <laughs> stop it! It's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hurricane Idalia making landfall in Big Bend area near Florida as a dangerous Cat 3 early this morning. It got up to a Cat 4, but by the time it made landfall, it was a very strong Category 3, which means winds around 120, 125 miles per hour. As of right now, at least two people have died. And Guy, I don't know about you. I think the audience knows by now. I'm a weather nerd. I am fascinated with Mother Nature, man. I always have been. And when these hurricanes come through, the way we're able to watch these and experience these at home, you know, reporters embedded on the beach and satellite drones and all that kind of stuff, it's wild. Oh, yeah. I remember as a kid, I was completely fascinated with uh, the big turboprop airplanes that used to fly right through the middle of hurricanes. And I just remember watching, you know, some special on these guys going, oh, my. My gosh, these these guys uh, these guys have more more cojones than anybody on the planet. <laughs> right, uh, Robert Ray is a meteorologist for Fox Weather. This was him this morning. Now, mind you, he wasn't even near Big Ben. This was near Clearwater, where they were getting some of the eastern bands of this hurricane. And listen, how intense the winds are. These these are incredible incredible bands coming through here. Idalia is throwing haymakers right now into Clearwater Beach. These are the winds and rain we have seen. And you see the storm surge that I'm walking through here on Coronado Drive right now. This is as intense as we've seen here uh, on the barrier island where evacuations, mandatory evacs, were in place yesterday. They wanted everyone out by 7 p.m. And we hope that people did. They heeded those warnings. You know, I got to tell you, though, every time I see legit com- coverage like that, I always have to flash back to the guy from the Weather Channel who's on who's on the beach, uh, you know, like a boardwalk somewhere, um, and he's talking about how intense it is, and he's leaning. He's got about a 40-degree lean into the wind, <laughs> and he's holding his hat on, and he's talking about how intense it is, and yeah, the wind's blowing, and all of a sudden behind him, you see two dudes in Hawaiian shirts and flip-flops just totally just walk down the street right. behind him, just totally, ca- you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it- yeah. It was the all-time funniest weather video I have ever seen. So, And it totally is taken away from legit coverage like this, because I'm sorry, that's where my mind goes every single time. There was also, I want to say it was on the Today Show on NBC up in New Jersey. I think this was after Sandy came through. Uh, there was this reporter they put in a canoe, and she's on a <laughs> canoe talking about how bad the floodwaters are, and the camera pans out, and two dudes walk by with groceries just, <laughs> just walking right through. And to his credit, I think Matt Lauer was the, still the anchor at this point. He calls her out. Now, wait a minute. We just saw two guys walk by. So for every person that has the theatrics, you know, yeah. hats off to the people covering this thing the right way. You bet. And I think, honestly, one of the forgotten aspects of these types of storms, we always focus on the winds and the coastline, the ocean, the storm surge, the Gulf water, all that kind of stuff. Even if you live inland, the trees that get oh, knocked yeah. down. Listen to this. This was a woman who lived 
you know, about 12, 15 miles in, in Florida, away from the coast. She's videotaping the hurricane winds out of her window, and there's a lot of trees around her. Listen as this tree falls over and it knocks over another one that crashes into her house. Look, there it goes. There it goes. Oh my gosh. No! It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, it's okay. So just because you don't live near the water doesn't mean you're not getting major damage as a result of this storm. Is is it still true, Jason? Because I I seem to recall you saying that your career in broadcasting will not be truly complete until you can do live coverage of a hurricane somewhere. That's correct. Yeah, see, I I, want to see it. We need to make that happen somewhere. Man, I was real close the other night. Crystal, the coupon lady, gave me kind of a green light to go do it. Really? Because the Tampa airport was going to close that night at midnight. And I came home from the show. It's about 7.30. If you want to go, you can go. But... Don't forget, we have a kid in college. Oh, ouch. That's, oh, man. Yeah. So basically, don't spend this money on airline tickets yeah. and a hotel room. It's probably $2,000 right now. Yeah. But if you want to, you can go. Man, yeah. nothing like an offer with a big hook on it like right. that. Right, <laughs> 100%. But hey, if you ever want to go do that, I will backfill for you. I'll sit in here with Nige, and uh, and, and, and I'll, 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 I will I will man the man, man the oar for you while you're down there doing that, if you ever want to do it. I'll have a GoPro on my head. We're going to do it live, man. Oh. Um, this is uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, this morning, Ron 9 a.m. shortly after landfall. We currently have 54,000 households that are out of power throughout the state of Florida, but there have been over 100,000 households that have already been restored through hard work uh, all through the night, and those restoration efforts are ongoing. Any place it's safe to do, people are there working to get that done. So that was nine this morning. Those numbers without power, substantially more a little bit now. But, I mean, keep in mind here in Indy, we had a gust of wind and people didn't have power for like four days. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that we still haven't heard adequate answers for what happened there. So say what you want, man, about Ron DeSantis, his political Um, I'm sorry, his presidential run has been a little underwhelming. He's not really charismatic. He's a little awkward when he gets out in the masses. But when it comes to handling business, when it comes to legislation, when it comes to fighting back against these ridiculous policies and things like this, hurricanes that roll through, Man, guy, I got to be honest. I don't know if I would rather have anybody else in the country than Ron DeSantis. No, when it comes to just making purely uh, political decisions and executive right. political decisions, I, I think he's he's leading the way. Um, right up there with Christy Nome, by the way, from, North, from uh, South Dakota, who's one of my all-time favorite governors. Um, they've, it seems like they've made all the right decisions, uh, and and but clearly among the presidential candidates, that's why he's been my favorite for quite some time, really since before he announced. But but I'm disappointed that he doesn't seem to have the the charisma and the presence that you would want him to have. And and I think that's one of the reasons his poll numbers are down. People have gotten used, especially Republicans, thinking about primary votes. Or, or they've got we've gotten used to the showmanship right right we've gotten used to the, it's become the, american idol yeah it's, it, yeah right exactly um and uh and and, and so th- i think that's maybe why DeSantis isn't showing as well in the polls uh but but we got a long way to go it's crazy that <laughs> if somebody you know had just 
travel to 2023 from a time machine from like 1960 and you try to explain to them, listen, in 2023, you can't just have a really good track record of governing. You can't just be somebody that served his country and hasn't ran around on his wife. You have to have more charisma. You need to call a porn star horseface on Twitter. Yeah. That's how you win elections. Yeah. And it really helps if you've had a reality TV show. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Again, the presidential campaign has been a total dud. But when it comes to this type of stuff, uh, Ron DeSantis has done it very well. Now, if you're watching hurricane coverage like I am, if you're a fellow weather nerd, by now, I'm sure you've probably heard all about how this is a result of climate change. Oh, yeah. Here's CNN blaming the uh, hurricane in Florida on climate change, specifically fossil fuel pollution. It's the biggest sort of trillion dollar question about how you adapt communities like this to the world that we're already now living in at the same time trying to mitigate further more wicked storms down the road with more fossil fuel pollution. It's the double bind of these sort of oil economies in places like this where they they have that as a as an income stream, but also the cost of it is becoming bigger with every storm. Uh, science has been warning about this for a very long time. In many ways, it's been predicted. It's the speed that we're seeing these changes that has taken most folks by surprise. So that seems a little over the top, considering this is only the second large storm that has hit this Big Bend area. The other one guy. 1896. Right. So from 1896 to 2023, two major hurricanes have gone to Big Bend, and everybody's freaking out and everybody's losing their minds. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, I always want to point out that, you know, a, a city like Galveston, Texas has been completely destroyed by hurricanes like four times before. The, the internal combustion engine was invented. I mean, you, know, you, you go back and look at the history of, of big storms in, in this country or across the world, for that matter, it, it doesn't really reconcile with this idea of EGADs. If we all just drove more electric cars, we wouldn't have big storms. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. Andrea Mitchell was trying to push that type of stuff on MSNBC when she had Vivek Ramaswamy on. Now, say what you want about Vivek. Some people like him. Some people think he's a flip-flop, kind of a phony, wherever you're at. Can we all agree that what he did to Andrea Mitchell today, bringing the facts, bringing the information, was an absolute thing of beauty? I can offer clear evidence that the number of climate disaster-related deaths is down by 98% over the last century. Wow. The number of people who died of hurricanes, tornadoes, heat waves, and other weather-related events in 1920, for every 100 that died then, two die today. And the reason why is more plentiful, abundant access to fossil fuels and technology powered by fossil fuels. I can also tell you today, it is a hard fact, none of these things are disputed. Eight times as many people die of cold temperatures then die of warm ones. The right answer to all temperature-related deaths is more plentiful, abundant access to fossil fuels. The Earth is covered by more green surface area today than it was half a century or a century ago because carbon dioxide is plant food. And but, carbon dioxide as a percentage of the atmosphere is still at a relative low through human say, history. Those are just, hard facts. And I think we have to acknowledge those facts when having this debate. 
And then you've got Andrea Mitchell just sitting there looking like a deer in headlights going, <laughs> what in the hell have I got myself into? <laughs> I've taken a punch. Um, so in case you missed it, by the way, uh, yesterday, the Biden administration, knowing that a Category 3 hurricane was barreling in on Florida, gave another $250 million in a security aid package to Ukraine. So for those of you scoring at home, a major hurricane in Florida, Maui burning to the ground, people still displaced in East Palestine, Ohio, the border is a mess, but Ukraine is getting $250 million of your money. You know, but it's all going to be made okay, uh, Hammer, when uh, President Biden goes down to the Big Bend area of Florida, and and he'll give a very empathetic uh, speech to these people, and he'll say, you know, uh, my hat blew off in a windstorm one time, (laughs) and so I really know how you guys feel, believe me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Coming up a little bit after four o'clock, Donald Trump hinting about a running mate, someone he said he likes. We will talk about that coming up in just a little bit. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige today. Guy, a Dutch airline company is introducing an adults-only zone on one of their flights. No kids. Take your stinking kids and go somewhere else, adults only, and this will give nine folks extra leg room, and they will be able to have a bunch of extra standard seats. Were you thinking about this? Is this good? You like this? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, as a guy who's 6'4", I don't fit into a typical airline seat very well at all, and the idea of having a little extra room is exciting. And you know, I, hey, I, I I raised kids. I have grandparents now, or grandkids now. Um, you know, I I consider myself someone who loves kids. But being on an airplane and being separated from the kids doesn't sound like a totally bad idea to me either. <laughs> but the thing is, is like the first thing I thought of was they're making it sound like kids are the problem on these airlines. Well, that's a good point. Every time I see somebody freaking out on the plane, whether it's the the hot chick who says somebody's not real, whether it's some moron <laughs> picking a fight, somebody peeing in the aisleway, it's a grown-ass adult. Yeah, well, that, that that is a very good point. You know, my first thought, though, Hammer, i got to tell you, when I read this, uh, introducing a new adults-only section on the airplane, is this will lead to a 47% increase in the percentage of people, the number of people who become members of the Mile High Club. Yes, adult only <laughs> is the key phrase there. Now, there was a high-profile situation of a child causing an incident on the plane. Did you ever hear the audio of this guy freaking out and yelling at people on the plane because the couple in front of him had a baby that they just let cry and they didn't try to console yeah. him and this guy he's so ticked off that the baby is crying he starts yelling at their parents he starts yelling at people on the plane the flight attendants check it out with a baby okay. in a goddamn okay. echo chamber <laughs> and you want to talk to me about being okay okay because you're, you're yelling so That's is the baby, baby. Okay, so did that mother Okay. 
Lower that baby's voice. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine being so ticked off? You're dropping F-bombs at the baby? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, what do you think the likelihood of this guy got the lifetime travel ban? Oh, wow. It's close. It yeah. feels like you really got to earn it now. As many yeah. morons as we see, like you really got to go above and beyond to get the lifetime travel. Yeah, ban. and I think you know a lot of people empathize with the general idea that um, you know it's it's frustrating to have a crying baby for a long time on, in your immediate proximity on an airplane. Uh, but he's pretty over the top too. Yeah, I say that's a close call. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I am Jason Hammer. Big Nigel is out. Guy Relford filling in today. And Guy, it looks like, unless there's legal stuff that prevents him from doing so, Donald Trump's going to be the GOP nominee. Yeah, it sure looks that way. Even if he loses a few places in the polls he's up by so much yeah it's not really going to matter at this point unless something incredibly wild happens or legal stuff yep. so the question now becomes who is going to be his running mate are these debates that are happening really an audition to be donald trump's number two it's kind of like the apprentice watching <laughs> these gop debates <laughs> Well, in an interview that he did with uh, Glenn Beck on his Blaze TV show, Donald Trump said he is open to one of the current folks running against him to be his VP, and that person is Vivek Ramaswamy. Well, I think he's great. Look, anybody that said I'm the best uh, president in a generation, I don't know, you'll have to define generation, but it's a long time. And uh, he said it a couple of times, and he said it in 100 years. So I have to like a guy like that. You know, I can't get upset with him. But he's a smart guy. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a very, very uh, a very intelligent person. He's got good energy, and he, he could be in some form of something. I tell you, I think he'd be very good. I think he's very good. I think he's really distinguished himself. He's starting to get out there a little bit. He's a little bit getting a little bit controversial. I got to tell him be a little bit careful. So that's Donald Trump earlier today speaking to Glenn Beck about a possible Trump Ramaswamy ticket. Well, I think the process usually on selecting a running mate as president um, is to think about what voters you pick up through that vice presidential candidate that you don't already have. And I don't know that Ramaswamy necessarily checks that box. In other words, if you're uh, a, a, a Trump fan, are you... Or, or if you're you're not inclined already to vote for Trump, either one, um, what does Ramaswamy do for you? And 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 that's where I think Nikki Haley would be. If I were Trump, I'd be looking strongly at Nikki Haley. We know Trump has a problem with suburban women. That's what cost him badly in 2020. Um, does does he sway any of those current undecideds as between him and Biden uh, with someone like a Nikki Haley as a running mate? Okay, and I get that. 
But Donald Trump also needs younger voters. That's very true. The card-carrying, red-hat-wearing MAGA supporter is usually a little bit older. Ramaswamy has tapped into a younger group and a guy of color. So maybe that helps Donald Trump a little bit. Um, But are we overthinking this whole thing? Because when was the last time somebody's vice presidential selection really moved the needle one way or the other? Like, is there somebody right now that's torn on Donald Trump? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know what to think about Donald Trump. Let me wait and see who his running mate is. Yeah, but oh look, he selected this person or that person. Now I'm suddenly going to vote for Trump. No, it's a valid point. And people seem to be so polarized over Trump anyway that you're right. It probably doesn't make that big of a difference. But I do think, generally speaking, that when uh, these candidates are thinking about who they want as their running mate, that's the equation. I mean, look at Kamala Harris. She checks a bunch of boxes. And is there any other reason why Biden Biden selected her to be his vice presidential candidate. Hell, she called him a segregationist and basically called him a racist right. on the debate stage, right. and she was she was rewarded for but that. He, but he thought she brought more people to the ticket um, than than other potential candidates because she checked all those boxes. So yesterday, some Gold Star families of the thirteen brave men and women who died in that botched Afghan withdrawal had a chance to speak their minds at a hearing in Washington. And they were told to speak whatever you want. And one of these Gold Star dads, the father of the fallen Marine Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, man, this is going to be some powerful audio you're about to hear. But this is a dad that lost his son. And listen to what he has to say about our commander-in-chief. Not a single person has been held accountable. Our so-called leader can't seem to even utter their names in public, not even once. Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting, and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family, and even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military, and I regret not saying that to your face when I had the opportunity in Dover. I felt it more light, more important to bite my tongue, but I also had more important things on my mind at that time, like receiving my son's lifeless body stateside. While I stood there on the tarmac watching you check your watch mm. over and over again, all I wanted to do was shout out, it's 2 30, asshole. But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just a powerful moment yesterday. Yeah. You know, and, and I was in real-time communication with a uh, kind of an indirect family member um, who was on the ground in Afghanistan and was at the airport. Um, and And his reaction to the total and complete withdrawal of all support for those people on the ground during the evacuation. I mean, he had no idea, for instance, and this is somebody who should know, um, had no idea they were going to close Bagram Air Force Base. I mean, this whole evacuation, this withdrawal should have been through Bagram, right? It was a secure U.S. air base. Oh, no, we're going to do it in a essentially a downtown airport uh, surrounded by, 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 by um, 
by the city and 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 it was way too accessible to the bad guys, the Taliban throughout the entire process. But he was shocked that the U.S. completely abandoned them in terms of any support and just basically said, "Do the best you can with what you have." And it, it was it was it was shocking to him. It angered him, and it doesn't surprise me a bit that these Gold Star families are that upset. And I love the fact that this gentleman um, was not only willing to express his feelings, but was so eloquent in doing so. He did a fabulous job. And to leave people behind, to leave all of that military gear behind, which ends up in the hands of people who want to kill Americans or on the black market, and then they end up in the hands of people who want to kill Americans. The whole thing was just a Mickey Mouse operation ran by unserious people. Absolutely. Here's a little bit more of that Gold Star father of the late Marine Lance Corporal Jared Smits. You, sir, discredit honor and integrity. Two years later, there are things I find myself thinking about. Where and what was Biden's logic sneaking out of Bagram in the middle of the night before ever getting a single Afghan partner or American civilian out. This is the purest definition of intentional negligence. This is just one of many irresponsible and negligent decisions coming from the White House. In addition, leaving behind billions of dollars of our finest military hardware has led to the biggest international free black market, free market in history. Right. Unfortunately, this will undoubtedly lead to more American military lives lost in the future. Between what has happened, been happening here domestically, for example, the border over the last two and a half years, and all your failed foreign policy decisions, I would venture a guess that you have more American blood on your hands, Mr. Biden, than any president in U.S. history. Wow. Wow. Somebody's going to approach this guy and ask him to run for Congress. You know what I mean? That's just one of those speeches that's going to move so many people, and it's so dead on. And not only accurate, but as I said, eloquent. Uh, He did a hell of a job. The hair standing up on my arm. Absolutely right. Because you hear this father, and there's video. You can see this father. He's fighting back tears, but he wants to make sure that everybody knows what happened in this situation. It's not going to be something where he wants to not talk about it anymore. Stop covering things up. Stop biting your tongue. No, everybody needs to know how incompetent our commander-in-chief is and what a powerful moment yesterday. Hit us up on social media, at Hammer and Nigel, or at Guy Relford on Twitter. Donald Trump hinting that he wouldn't mind having Vivek Ramaswamy as his running mate. You good with this? A game we play sometimes. Are you okay with this? Tweet at us, Facebook, Instagram. We got the YouTube chat going, the live in-camera studio. What do you think? Donald Trump, Ramaswamy, does this work for you? Or do you want somebody else? At Hammer and Nigel. few comments coming in from the uh, YouTube chat. No, I'm not okay with Trump picking the Soros puppet. And then another person writes, Matt Bear for VP. Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're going to give the people what they want. Again, keep the conversation rolling at Hammer and Nigel on social media, at Guy Relford, or the YouTube chat. We've got a camera here in studio. We're streaming live. Chat's going on. Get in the mix. Right now, Sunshine 75 at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center. Is this anything? Next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Emma and Nigel presents Is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. This is how we are going to play Is This Anything? Big Nige is out today, and Guy Relford riding shotgun. See what I did there for the gun guy? I am going to run some stories by Guy. He is going to break down all the information and give you the verdict if the story in question is anything or not. So, Guy, we start with this. Some woman brought a gun into the Chicago White Sox game last weekend, and the way she was able to do it, and again, this is typical White Sox fan, she was able to hide it in the folds of her belly fat. Oh, my. But when she was inside the stadium, it accidentally went off and grazed another woman in the leg. Here is one fan that was in the stands during the shooting at the White Sox game. He had to walk through all the metal detectors. They were going off for people's watches and stuff, and then they, you know, they do a double check and stuff. So I don't know how somebody got in there like that. We kind of felt like it was BS at first, but I mean, I don't know why they would say that if it didn't happen. That anything? Well, it's something only because of how colossally stupid this is. I mean, <laughs> she's, she's she's carrying a gun in a totally unsafe manner. The trigger's not protected. You mean in between rolls of fat is an unsafe manner, yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, dramatically unsafe. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and it bothers me when, when gun owners uh, do something incredibly stupid like this. Because you know what? One person's stupidity like this, some legislator, like they don't already have enough gun control in Chicago or in Illinois generally, some legislator's going to go, oh, look, we need a law because this idiot was an idiot and it's gun owners like this that cause a lot of problems for a lot of the rest of us so this is this is something only because this is incredibly stupid and irresponsible and it's going to end up in all likelihood doing damage to law-abiding and safe gun owners so this happened after the game had just wrapped up they were getting ready to have a concert and the concert was vanilla ice and tone loke like an late 80s, 90s type of concert. Oh, wow. So imagine you go to the White Sox game, you have to sit through watching that god-awful team, and then Vanilla Ice cancels and you see somebody get shot. What a horrible (laughs) night out. The worst part about that whole thing, they had to watch the White Sox. Yeah, exactly. Is this anything? Two men have teamed up. I can't stress this enough. Two men have teamed up to attempt the Guinness World Record for most hugs in one minute. Now, the record was set by comedian Anthony Anderson and Hootie, Darius Rucker, in an episode of Carpool Karaoke. Here's the moment that David Rush and Josh Horton reached 153 hugs in one minute. David Rush, I'm here with Josh Horton, Guinness World Record in Juggler Extraordinaire. And we have just broken the official Guinness World Records title for the most hugs in one minute. Come on. That anything? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and listen, I have no problem. Two guys want to hug. God bless you. I've hugged a lot of guys myself. Um, not a problem, but who cares? Uh, there are some of these records that are just goofy. 
and the fact that and the guy's out of breath. You, you're out of breath from hugging. Uh, I'm not. I'm Have not you tried it. to hug somebody 153 times in 60 seconds? Don't uh, act like you wouldn't be out of breath. Oh, dude, I was I was in a fraternity. Of course I had. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, no doubt. Of course I. I had. said hug. I said you know, hug, no, I, and I said tried. <laughs> <laughs> Kylan's over here rolling her eyes, regretting the day that she filled in for Allison. <laughs> Is this anything? Now, here's something in your wheelhouse, yeah. guy. Elvis Presley's gun collection is apparently in high demand. Somebody paid almost $200,000 for the King's Smith & Wesson Model 53 revolver. Is this anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it's not more than that. I mean, you're talking about the King, man. And, uh, you know, and he, he liked his guns, right? I mean, you know, he... Uh, what, he got, what, deputized by President Nixon to be like a special <laughs> agent of some kind? And uh, Was it true or urban legend that he would shoot the TV? Like, we've all yeah. seen or heard the story of, like, you know, maybe a little bit of a whacked-out Elvis Presley, depressed, sitting in his chair, firing off a shot into the TV. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's real, because I've heard it from too many sources uh, to think that it wasn't. It's like the but, Hogsett stuff. Too many people who don't know each other telling you the same story. No, that's exactly right. No, I think this is something. I mean, and to have a you know an original Smith & Wesson uh, 53, which is a classic revolver anyway, but it's actually owned by the king. I'm almost surprised he didn't go for for more money. Ah, that no, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, I'd put that in a case and I'd have that displayed somewhere secure. That'd be fun. Where are you at with the music of Elvis Presley? Oh, I love the the, the stuff of Elvis. Thank I mean, you, it, because the guy that normally sits in that seat was trying to tell us that Elvis sucks and that Nickelback was better. Oh, what? What? Now no. keep in mind who normally sits in that seat. <laughs> uh, th- there's a reason that Nickelback gets worldwide shame and scorn heaped upon them. I mean, no, I mean, no. Elvis uh, is king, man, and 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 real Elvis. Elvis went through his commercial phase and was doing all the movies and things got a little hokey there for a little while. But classic Elvis, man, is uh, some of the best music ever. So Kylan, who is filling in for uh, Allison today, Kylan, turn on your microphone. Absolutely. Uh, you are substantially younger than. Guy. I and I. Do you mind if I ask, like, your early 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Is that yep. fair? Early 20s. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put 10 seconds on the clock. Oh, no. You tell me how many Elvis Presley songs you can name in 10 seconds. Okay? Mm-hmm. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, Can't Help Falling in Love, uh, Jailhouse Rock. Okay. Um, if I Can Dream, I was listening to that earlier. Almost done. Go, uh, go. Burning love. There we go. Um, All right. We'll take that. Oh, we'll take that. I think that's probably well, how, all what's I know. Your, what's your all-time favorite Elvis song? Man, Jailhouse Rock still holds up. Yeah. It is. It's the go-to. Like, if I'm DJing a wedding, which I used to do all the time oh, yeah. back in the day, that's one of the songs you can kind of put on early in the reception while the aunts and grandmas and uncles are all still that, there. That gets people up. That gets them out on the dance floor. Then later on the night, you know, it gets pretty hood. But <laughs> that that's the one song for me that still holds up from the king. What about you? Uh, I like the ballads, man. Like Love Me Tender. I, 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 I like Are You Lonesome Tonight? Uh, are You Lonesome Tonight is just fabulous. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Classic Elvis. Do you, do you like Fat Elvis or do you like Early Elvis? Like his Hip-shaking Ed Sullivan Elvis or big jumpsuit, big sideburns Elvis. Kylan, where are we at here? <laughs> First one, definitely. I mean, if you saw the the newest movie, Elvis, they did it last year in 2022, 
Austin Butler's rendition of Elvis Presley and like all of his leg shaking is anything and the lady's reaction to it oh my gosh yes I would love to see the younger version of Elvis because that reaction would be my reaction oh yeah well you know hey little bit of trivia um you know I'm a longtime indie guy I work security I work for security for a group called the Bear Force and it been old people like me will remember who the Bear Force was we were private security but we got hired to do security all time at Market Square Arena and in the summers of 1976 and 1977, I worked at Market Square Arena at all their concerts, working security for the Bear Force. And I worked security for Elvis's last live concert ever. Oh, wow. Every, and that was at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. And I was backstage. We had a deal where if you work front stage, it was more fun to be front stage because you stood right in front of the stage to keep people from climbing up on the stage. Right. And, uh, and you could watch the show if nothing was going on, at least, at least be close to it. But then we always had a deal where you switch with somebody and you'd work backstage for half. So you'd swap with somebody. I was backstage for the second half. So I got to stand by the back door and hold the back door open as Elvis was leaving after his last live concert, okay. uh, which was in Indianapolis. I held the door open for him. And I said, you know, great show, King, which it wasn't, by the way. It was a horrible show. People booed. And I mean, he was out of it. He was not in good shape. Uh, but I held the door open for him. I said, great show, um, King. And, and uh, he goes, thanks, man. You and, talked to Elvis. Yeah, he said, thanks, man. You may be the last person Elvis Presley ever spoke to on a tour. <laughs> no, he didn't die for several months, I no, think. No, 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 but on that. a tour, though. Oh, on tour, maybe. Yes. Yeah, because he was walking out. I was holding the back door open for him, the stage door, as he was leaving. And I said, I said, great show, King. And, and, and thanks, man. Because everybody it. else after that is his entourage, people that are in charge of him, management, yeah. family, friends, yeah. hangers on. The last tour person Elvis Presley <laughs> ever said anything to was Guy Relford. That could be. And by the way, I still have that backstage pass. That's I, awesome. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have asked him to sign it, because that sucker would be worth some money. A, a signed backstage pass from his last live concert. But I still have the best backstage pass, although I did not have the, the cojones to ask him to sign it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer, the gun guy. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige and sauntering into the studio, a bad mama jamma in her own right. Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey Show. How are you? I'm good. You picked up on that sauntering, huh? A little bit. I Nobody would... saunters better than you. Thank like you. Like when Tony Katz tried to saunter and made oh. everybody sick. <laughs> you should stop doing that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you approve of my sauntering. Thank you. So, you and I were talking a little bit earlier today. Mm-hmm. You know me. I am a weather nerd. I'm fascinated yes. with the phenomenon of weather, tornadoes, hurricanes. Uh-huh. It interests me. Yeah. You lived in Tallahassee, which uh-huh. isn't too far from where... The Big Bend, where it's hitting, where right. Right, where this bad boy came onto land. Mm -hmm. Did you have to deal with anything like this? Six. Lived through six. Six of them. Six hurricanes. This strong? Uh, No, not this strong. They didn't go quite as far inland, but yeah, uh, lived through six. I'm I'm curious. I have to ask you, where does this weather fascination come from? I don't know. You've always just, you open the garage door and stand out there and watch the storms roll in, don't you? I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am totally that hillbilly from Indiana that's standing outside Mm -hmm. in the middle of a, a tornado, but it's just always interested me and I've 
always loved broadcasting and mm-hmm. weather, and that's what I went to school for. I wanted to be one of these guys on the Weather Channel reporting from the beach. Yeah, I think you should chase that dream. It's never too late. You should go for it. You should have gone, gotten on a flight and been down there. I almost did. I know. My I know. wife gave me kind of a green light. <laughs> I say kind of because there was a butt attached of to it. Of course there was. Now you can go and I'll support you, but, but yeah. we have okay. a kid in college. Okay, so have you ever been through a hurricane? Never. Okay, the thing about hurricanes that a lot of people don't realize if you've never been through one, it's not just the hurricane. They're swirling with tornadoes in there, too. So it's like double whammy. Not only do you get the strong winds, like this one, I think when it reached land, it was, what, 100 miles per hour? But you also have the tornadoes in there as well. So you've got to deal with all of that. Uh, Of course, the power going out. But in the south, they've got all these huge... Huge trees, and that's like a right. real problem when the trees come down because they block the roads, and it can be days and days before they have it cleaned up. So it's not normally as quick to get the power on like we have here in Indiana when a tornado runs through because we don't have all of these Spanish moss-covered trees everywhere, and especially in Tallahassee where uh, this storm hit because it is like, uh, well, it, it's a swamp. Not the D.C. swamp, right. but the other kind of swamp. Now, now, let's pump the brakes a little bit on the victory lap for the power system here in Indiana because <laughs> uh, we had a gust come through in the yeah. summer and people didn't have power for four days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, with the hurricane down there, it can be weeks. And I was talking to the dude last night because it was uh, just a few years ago this time that I was in Tallahassee. And he said, what do you think you would be doing right now? Like, what would we be doing? And I was like, well, you know, we would have known it was coming. So we would already have all of our provisions and supplies. Boarded up the windows and all that. And I thought, you know what? I probably would have been at the radio station and hoping that as soon as that power came back on, we could start broadcasting again. Unless, of course, some engineer geek said, you know what? We're going to be out for two (laughs) weeks. You might as well go home. Because once you get somewhere in a hurricane, you're pretty much there. You bring up uh, the trees earlier, and we Mm -hmm. talked about that earlier in the show, it's the thing that kind of gets forgotten, right? Because when you think hurricane, you just think winds and storm surge and flooding. Mm -hmm. But some of the video of these folks that live a little bit inland away from the water, Mm -hmm. watching these trees fall. And man, when one falls, it's like dominoes Mm -hmm. and that's really dangerous. Yeah, and a lot of the power lines, they're not buried down there. So uh, you know that those trees are falling right on those power lines. And that was when I was in Tallahassee. One of the weird things about the radio station that why are there so many tree removal services advertising on the radio station? Well, that's why. That's because why. of all of these storms coming in. Were you ever scared during a hurricane? I was very scared. Uh, one of them, I think it, it might have been Dolly. Um, when it came through... There was a tornado attached to it, and it was less than a mile from my apartment. And I was very, very scared. And and the morning guys, they were really nice. They called me, are you okay? And I was like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, hurricane, this is crazy. Um, But a lot of people uh, for this one were evacuated. I think, what did they evacuate? Like 28 counties they evacuated, and uh, power knocked out. Casey Daniels with us of the Kendall and Casey Show. 
let's bring it a little closer to home okay. here. We had a discussion when I joined your show earlier today uh, mm-hmm. for my daily segment yeah. about what's happening with the mayor's race here yeah. in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So Jefferson Shreve, he puts out this commercial where he's basically saying, listen, the mayor doesn't have any sort of say on what happens with abortion. Mm-hmm. Although the mayor of a city doesn't have anything to say with the state law about firearms, yeah. it didn't seem to bother him there, but he's choosing to sit this one out mm-hmm. on abortion. What do you think? Well, that was interesting. He ha- he had another ad that was running where he said he wants to hit problems at the root. He wants to fix the causes of crime and he'll take control and take responsibility. But the key thing, he said he wants to fight for Indy to have its own laws. And that goes back to the gun. He's not going to be able to do that. No. You can't do that. So I, I didn't know that abortion was becoming an issue with the mayoral race until he made it one until he brought it to my attention right he, he, he can't he can't change anything in that regard and again this is what the Democrats want they want the mayor's race to be about abortion mm-hmm. and even though uh, Shreve is taking the same stance as Joe Hawk said that's always going to be looked at as something that the Democrats run on it's gonna be an expensive race they're saying that this race could possibly be the most expensive mayoral race in the history of races 15 million dollars is what it's expected to be spent man to win Shreve is spending a lot of money to get boat race well <laughs> in the latest ad he uh, bought in july he spent over six hundred thousand dollars on that ad so is it worth it? I mean, here's the thing. This is a guy, obviously, he's a good businessman, right? He's an entrepreneur. He's been very successful. Does, does he like wasting his money on this race? Because the message has not been good. No. He's clearly wasting money on the people that he trusted to run his campaign. Okay. You've got a dude that the game has passed by a long time ago and a fat guy. (laughs) And both of these people are total zeros. Mm -hmm. And the thing is... And I was all in with Jefferson Shreve when he first announced, because I thought, well, he's got a lot of money. He's got a puncher's chance. Mm -hmm. That's all I can ask for. Hogsett's probably still the favorite. You know, if I'm doing like a handicap here, Hogsett's still the favorite, but Shreve's got the money. He'll at least try and compete. And I was all in. But then he wanted to come out and do ridiculous crap that could never become the law that basically gives a middle finger to law-abiding citizens here in Indy. Mm -hmm. And you live here, Casey. Mm -hmm. I live here, Casey. Mm -hmm. We each uh, carry legally. We have never had issues with the law. We are not the problem in Indianapolis. But this moron and the group that he hired to run his campaign, they're blaming people like us. Yeah, and he's saying he wants to hit problems at the root. We're not the root. We're not the problem. It would have been so easy. All he had to do was get on camera, look straight into it, and say, you know what? The past couple years have been bad. I'll do better. I mean, he he didn't even really need to say what he was going to do different. No. Just point out everything horrible that Hogshead has done and say, I'm going to do better than that guy.
My opponent is proposing something that will never become the law. I am focused on things that are going to actually become law in the city of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. That's how desperate Joe Hogsett is. And by the way, where was he when we needed him during the riots? Yep. That should have been the commercial. That's it. But game has passed him by guy and lardass. They don't want to seem to do that. And for that reason, Jefferson Shreve is flushing millions of dollars down the toilet. Right down the toilet. And a guy who's probably... One of, if not the worst mayor that this city mm-hmm. has ever seen mm-hmm. is going to get elected for the third time. I mean, Shreve, all he had to do is say, I'm not Hogsett. Vote for me, Jefferson Shreve. <laughs> and that would have won him more votes. But, you know, and he also claims that Jefferson Shreve, that he's he's an outsider. He's not a career politician. Okay, he was on the city county council, right? Everybody says that. He also ran to be a state senator. Yeah, he's a politician. He wants in big time. So don't sit there and say you're an outsider because you're not. What's coming up on the side piece? Okay, so U.S. News and World Report have released their top high schools in the country. And would you believe it? One in Indiana sits at number two. Beach Grove High School. No, that's not it. Well, then that list is wrong. (laughs) Go to WIBC.com and select the side piece. You can see the entire list right there. The Kendall and Casey Show, 9 to noon here at 93 WIBC. Casey, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Coming up here in just a few minutes, the latest on the hurricane and the latest on Mitch McConnell, who froze up again at a speaking event in Kentucky. We'll talk about that coming up. Plus, a round of Ask the Gun Guy coming up around 520. So stick around for that. But man, a night with WIBC guy, it's right around the corner. It's happening October 4th at the Indiana Historical Society. It's where we've had it the first couple of years. And it's one of my favorite events of the year. We all get together. You know, there's a stage show. Each show does a little something themselves. We have a party. We have some drinks. We talk a little shop. And uh, I'm excited for it. Tickets are on sale right now. Oh, man. It's like my favorite event ever. I have such a good time at this. And uh, I've come on and, and been part of your guys' uh, presentation <laughs> before. I hope we get to do that again. But it's just it's so much fun to meet the listeners, be able to you know talk to them directly, get feedback from them. Um, it's just a lot of fun. I, I have always had the best time at that event. There are cocktails. There's a reception uh, beforehand, I think, for like a VIP ticket holders. And uh, it's just a great, great time. And I've always enjoyed it. I, I, I'm glad that, uh, that WIBC is going to continue to do it. And thank you to Relay Indiana. We could not do this event without our amazing sponsors. And as of this morning, 90 tickets were remaining. That's it. It always sells out. Yeah, it went quick uh, yesterday. More than half the tickets were gone yesterday. So as of this morning, less than 90 were remaining. So if you want to come out for a great night, hear some of the stuff that we're told we're not allowed to say on the radio. <laughs> exactly. And The uh, FCC is not monitoring uh, this presentation. 100%. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. And get your tickets at WIBC.com. And if you want to pay an extra 15 bucks, you can get a t-shirt for the event as well. So all that information right there, WIBC.com. And I mean this when I say it. Please take care of our sponsors of this radio station because 
let's be honest. There's a lot of people out there that don't like the fact that we have this amazing platform to speak the truth every time we come in. Whether it's sponsors for Tony, uh, Kendall and Casey, Hammer and Nigel, The Gun Guy Show, uh, Tony Kennett, Abdul, Ethan, on the weekends with Saturday Night on the Circle. Please take care of all the sponsors at WIBC because not only do they keep us on the air, they support what we do. They say, hey, I want to be partnered with you guys. You guys do great work, but I also support what you do, and I think that goes a long way. Yeah, and you know what? I've had some great conversations. I mean, I'll be there during the the reception time uh, uh, before the actual show starts, and it's just so much fun to just sit there and shake hands and uh, just get to meet listeners and and get to have face-to-face conversations with them. And, you know, I'm pretty low on the list. I mean, people are there to see you and Nige and and, and, and Tony uh, Katz, of course, but it's just so much fun for me. I mean, I'm I'm there almost as much of a, as a fan as I am, you know, as being part of the, the the broadcast team here. And I I just have a great a great time. I I'm thrilled whenever they schedule it because I always I just have a blast. But two of the biggest rock stars every year are you, guy, and Matt Bear. <laughs> like the amount of applause that Matt Bear gets oh, from the yeah. single moms in the crowd. Oh yeah, that are uh, there and their their hoochie mama dresses that they used to wear at Ike and yeah. Jonesy's. The the, the, the the cheers that Matt Bear get are always about two octaves higher than mine it's a different audience that's right. cheering for matt and and i think th- it's largely female i think that's uh, reacting to matt Bear. they're looking forward to the overnight with wibc <laughs> when matt bear comes on the stage so again tickets are going real quick it will sell out so jump to wibc.com get your tickets and i promise you you are going to have a good time at the indiana historical society on i believe it's wednesday october 4th Fourth, and uh, thank you again to Relay Indiana. All right, do not go anywhere. Coming up next, the latest on the hurricane and Mitch McConnell freezing up again. We're going to have to have some tough conversations. We'll do that next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Nigel is out today. The gun guy, Guy Relford, filling in. And you heard the news at the top of the hour. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell had another situation today where he froze up. Now, this happened to him about a month or two ago. He was in Washington and was doing a speech and just froze. Like people thought that he had a stroke. Turned out to be, you know, he was okay. Never really missed much work. But the problem is he's so old that you're concerned that it might happen again. And today it did. So while he was in Kentucky delivering a speech, Mitch McConnell froze up. Now, we're going to play you the audio. He's there with a uh, female staff member, his assistant, his aide. You're going to hear Mitch McConnell begin to speak and then freeze up. And his aide has to come in and try to uh, rescue him a little bit. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's, uh, 
Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. And he's just frozen, like catatonic guy. That's how it was last time. Exactly. It's the exact same situation yeah. that happened last time. And listen, we have to have a real conversation here. Not only us, you know, in this room, you listening on the radio, this country, we have to stop electing people who are so old and decrepit. Okay. Now there are some folks that are old that still got that zip, that zest. They still got it. But there are some folks that clearly don't. Well, and we're talking about Fetterman. Oh, yeah. We're talking about Joe Biden. And in this case, we're talking about McConnell. Now, Fetterman's not old, right. but his health is in decline. Yeah, you know, the question I have, and, and, and I'm a little split on this, is, um, you know, we have minimum ages to run for office. Should there be a maximum age to be, to be in Congress or, or to be president, uh, president of the United States? I mean, you know, think about that. I mean, I, I'm... I'm all about hands-off government, and I believe it ultimately it ought to be up to the voters. But man, look at look at the number of people that are clearly struggling with their age right now. I put Nancy Pelosi squarely in that category. Diane Feinstein's been gone for a while, right? Right, and and I'm sorry, our our president struggles, um, and in in ways that, that is absolutely embarrassing. Um, but then, um, yeah, you got to put Mitch McConnell in that same group. Should there be a maximum age for to, to hold an office like uh, congressman or senator? They make airline pilots retire at like 65. Right. And a lot of them are like, hey, I'm perfectly fine. I'll take any cognitive test, vision test you want to take. I just want to continue to go. In Washington, you can be one of the most powerful people on the planet, dictating what you pay in taxes, how our country is secured, and just be out of your mind. And we were talking off the air, Guy. Where are the spouses at here? Oh, man, exactly. If you are the wife of Joe Biden, of John Fetterman. Fetterman. I put that top of the list. Mitch McConnell. You know, Republicans and Democrats here. How could you let somebody you allegedly love go up there knowing they're deteriorating their own health and making a fool of themselves at the same time. How could you let somebody you love do that? Well, yeah, and along the same lines, I mean, if, if, if they're at risk for stroke or other you know, age-related injuries, not that you have to be old to have a stroke, but it certainly exacerbates the potential, um, then, you know, then you're endangering your health as well. And that's why you, know, you and I had that conversation off the air, um, which is, um, should there, uh, uh, where are the spouses if they're truly concerned about the health of these people? But I'll tell you what the solution probably is at the end of the day, which serve, which which not only serves the interests of the public but solves a lot of other problems, and that's just term limits. I mean, term limits fix all this. Then you don't have, you know, a Nancy Pelosi going senile in public. You don't have a Diane Feinstein losing all her capacities in public. And frankly, McConnell's right there in the in the in the same camp. Trotting your spouse out there in these conditions, like one could make a case it's almost elder abuse. Yeah. Right? Knowing they're going to humiliate themselves. Diane Feinstein doesn't know what's happening at meetings. Her aides basically have to vote for her. Mitch McConnell has frozen up twice now. And that's not counting the stories where we've heard he's fallen downstairs. I mean, these are people that need care. 
I don't know if it's a nursing home, if it's an in-home nurse. They need care. They don't need to be making decisions for the American people. And the Republicans, I'm sorry, you have to have a meeting ASAP, and you have to replace Mitch McConnell. Yeah, because not only you know is he an, elect, an elected senator, he's minority leader. That, that's a hugely important position, especially when you have such a small majority in the Senate that the Democrats currently hold. The latest on the hurricane that barreled its way through Florida early this morning, now in parts of Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, two people have lost their lives so far. That's the last report that we had. Uh, mass flooding, wind damage, trees being knocked down. That's a big problem. Here's Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, just a few hours ago. Well, good afternoon. The eye of Hurricane Idalia has left uh, the state of Florida. The state is still being impacted by the storm's bans, and we're seeing that particularly in the northern part of the state. Uh, so far, there have been 262,000 uh, accounts uh, that had lost power have been restored, and there are more than 250,000 accounts that are currently out of power and in need of restoration. Uh, as you'd imagine, the counties that have the highest percentage of power outages are the counties that were in the main pathway of the storm. Utility workers are actively working to restore power in all affected areas. And they have started doing that as soon as it was safe to do so. So those those restoration efforts are ongoing. Now, there are a lot more people without power now. Every hour that goes by, more people don't have power because now we're including Georgia. Now we're including South Carolina. They are getting the brunt of this storm. And it made its way landfall around 8 a.m. today, Guy. If there's any silver lining with this hurricane, the place that it went through, this big bend area of Florida, probably the lowest populated area of places that this thing could have landed. I mean, had this thing made a turn and went right into Tampa, you'd be talking about some major problems here. Yeah, and, you know, Florida uh, is really, really good at responding to these things, too. I mean, they'll have something major like this goes through, go through, and it seems like they recover so quickly, and they get people's power on so quickly. And that's why we were both, you know, very critical of, of the utilities here in Indiana when, you know, we got – and this is probably minimizing it in an unfair way, but we got a little bit of wind, and all of a sudden you had people without power for – days over a four week. days yeah, yeah. five days <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was a little embarrassing so ron DeSantis handling things in florida again we talked about this earlier he might not have the charisma to resonate nationwide to be the front runner in a presidential field but based off of governing decision making and handling situations like this man i think i'd take ron DeSantis over anybody in the country yeah, I'm right there with you. I just, I really, really wish he was doing better in the polls for president because I, I, I think he'd be a great candidate. I think he'd be a great president. All right, let's open up the phone lines here because anytime we have Guy Relford filling in for Nige, which seems like it's about every week, um, <laughs> we like to do a round of Ask the Gun Guy. It's something you do on your own program yep. on the weekend here. Um, and the way I see it, we've got the best 2A attorney in America here for your disposal Let's go. If you have a question about what you can do in certain situations, any gun-related question at all, 2A-related question at all, 
Bring it on. We'll get to as many calls as we can. 239-9393. That's 239-9393. We're doing a round of Ask the Gun Guy next on the Hammer and Nigel show. Your calls. Ask the Gun Guy next. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. Stop calling your arms gun. Oh, look at Kylan with the edit on the fly, baby. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I see you. Hey, that type of editing for a radio nerd like me, I tip my cap. Well done. (laughs) It's an honor. Not many people get excited about an edit, but damn, that was good. Uh, Guy Relford is here. It's time to ask the gun guy. So this is how it's going to work. We're going to get as many calls in as we can until we have to hit a break. So these are the rules. Make your question quick. Don't ramble on. Don't tell us a five-minute story. And just keep it clean. That's all we ask. Other than that, let's rock and roll. E-Buzz, get us going, my man. You got Guy Relford here. Hey, Guy. Back in 1979, they used to have concerts on on 67. You were a member of the Bear Patrol, and we came in and had a couple of plugged watermelons with some rum and tequila (laughs) and... That was you that kept coming up wanting a, another cup of the watermelon. <laughs> Why, well, E-Buzz, I don't remember that specifically, but I was a member of the Bear Force, and uh, I love a, a plugged watermelon, especially with tequila, so I, that doesn't surprise me a bit. If you're drinking an, the plugged watermelon the right way, you're not supposed to remember it, guy. Well, that's a really good point, but yeah, th- thanks for that memory, Buzz. Uh-huh. All right, let's go to uh, Southside Sparky. Southside Sparky, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Guy Relford's here. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, I got a uh, pertinent question for Guy, and I got a personal question for you, Hammer. Guy, um, got a theoretical for you. If I just recently heard on the radio that if you've got a medical card for marijuana is illegal to own a firearm is there any way to possibly get rid of that medical card and to be able to legally own again and then for you hammer uh i'm the same age as you i went to ball state the same time you did uh i was in the animal house sigma nu at the time my question is were you a sigma chi for a tcom major just curious Thanks, so, guys. So, Guy, you've got the more important answer, so you go first. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say, but uh, yeah, I'll, no, I'll answer the question. Um, you, the, the, the federal statute says you cannot possess a firearm if you're a user of or addicted to any illegal drugs. In, even in those states that have legalized either recreational marijuana or medical marijuana or both, marijuana remains on the schedule of controlled substances under the federal Controlled Substances Act of 1970, so it's still an illegal drug under federal law. So yes, if you're in a state, and this doesn't apply to us here in Indiana since we don't have marijuana cards, and we you know we don't have legalized marijuana. But in those states that do that that do have legalized marijuana, yeah, if you go get um, a medical marijuana card and you establish through a government record 
that you're a user of marijuana, you've lost your Second Amendment rights. And uh, and they get notifications to that degree. If you go buy a gun today and fill out the 4473 form that you fill out in the gun store, which is essentially your application to buy a gun, it'll say right on there, are you a user of or addicted to any illegal drug? And it'll say, including marijuana in those states where marijuana is legalized. So that is absolutely true. The, the way to fix it is to get marijuana off of the Controlled Substances Act uh, schedule uh, at the federal level, then that removes that prohibition. Then we don't have to worry about it. And there have been bills introduced, we just can't get them passed. But, you know, it's stupid that, that marijuana is not only is on the controlled substances list, it's right up there with the most addictive, least beneficial drugs. Uh, it's right up there with with meth and and coke uh, and heroin, which is completely ridiculous when you're talking about you know a natural plant that grows out of the ground. So that's it. I mean, and the way to get your rights back is give up your card, quit using the marijuana in those states. Uh, but you still got to worry about the fact there's that record where you've documented the fact that you're a user of at least at the federal level an illegal drug. And to answer your question for me, Sparky, I was never in a fraternity at Ball State. Partied at them. Bunch of times, had buddies that were in them. I uh, lived in a couple houses off campus, and it was like a fraternity. I had some of the <laughs> rowdiest, most hardcore partying dudes alive in that house. Like, I was the choir boy of the house. Oh, come on. And I was the hot mess express. <laughs> like, I would come home from class and see my roommates doing some things that I feel like I can't even begin to mention on these airwaves. <laughs> see, I was a SAE, Sigma Alpha Epsilon at DePaul University, but at DePaul, everybody lived in a house. Like 90% of the student population was either in a sorority or fraternity. It was just their housing system. Uh, and we weren't really all that crazy. In fact, I went to one of the less crazy houses there just because I thought, you know, between football and trying to study, uh, I didn't really want to go into one of the really crazy ones. Let's go to Mark. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show, Mark. We got Guy Relford here. Hey, Guy. Um, quick question here. Um, I know Indiana passed the uh, concealed carry, but uh, my question is, if you are prescribed a controlled substance, can you still conceal carry? Yeah. It, it, if you're prescribed by a doctor and it's legal, then that doesn't eliminate your ability to carry. Now, now if Matt Bear prescribes it for you, then all bets are off. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Um, but it, it also depends. If, if it is um, a drug that treats a, a mental illness and you've ever been committed against your will, for instance, and, and under the wording of the federal statute, you've been adjudicated to be mentally defective as as uh, obnoxious and, and uh, insulting as that language is, that's the language of the federal statute, then you may have an issue. But, but no, if you're, if you're just taking a, a prescription drug prescribed to you by a doctor, that in and of itself uh, doesn't uh, end your ability to carry a gun. Let's go to Dale. Dale, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. We got Guy Relford here. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> All hey, right. I got a question. Um, I went and got myself a rifle. Uh-huh. Um, I'm 61 years old, and I still had to fill out the form. Yep. Um, I told the guy, if you read the questions, and I'll answer him, this will go a lot quicker. Uh, the uh, owner of the uh, shop said, uh, you can't do that. Uh, I got to answer all the questions myself. Uh, is that right or wrong? 
Yeah, you're not supposed to get any assistance uh, at the gun store and filling out. That's that same 4473 form I was just talking about. Um, you know, the idea of if, if, if they uh, read you the questions, you answer it, and they would just, just mark your answer down, um, you know, in and of itself, does that violate some law? You know, it may, because um, the regulations associated with that form typically are that you have to fill that out yourself and you can't get any assistance. And and you have to verify at the end of the day that everything on there is accurate, because if you put something inaccurate on there um, and still certify it, that's actually a violation of law. If you lie on that form, or the government can prove you lied on that form, that's 10 years in federal prison. So I could see a gun store saying, "Oh hell no, we're not going to fill this thing out for you," because if we, you know, if you say yes and answer to a question and we screw up and mark no, um, then we just sent you to prison, and there could be liability associated with that. And for that reason, I've never researched that specifically, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there's a regulation that you have to fill that form out yourself. All right, James, Jim, and Joshua, we ran out of time. Hang on the line, though. Guy, could you take some calls off the air? Yeah, yeah, quickly I can. All right, so you guys hang on the line. Guy will take your calls off the air. We've got Tony Kennett coming up next, and we're going to talk about Joe Hogsett. Where was he during the riots, and why doesn't Jefferson Shreve try to use that to his advantage in the mayor's race in Indianapolis? That is coming up. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige today. And let's go to the drive, Hubler.com hotline, and bring on investigative reporter from the Daily Signal and coming soon, nightly radio host here at WIBC, Tony Kennett, the Tonus. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Mayor's race, uh, more commercials are coming out. All of a sudden, now abortion is the hot topic for the mayor's race in Indianapolis. Joe Hogsett's made it perfectly clear that he is all in on abortion anytime, anywhere. He loves it, can't get enough of it. And his opponent, Jefferson Shreve, puts out a commercial basically saying, look, it's not the mayor's job to talk about abortion, which I find to be incredibly rich. Tony, because it's not the mayor's job to try to change the state law on firearms, but hot damn, Jefferson Shreve had no problem with that. Remember when I told you guys a few weeks ago that this would be the next thing Shreve would likely change on? I told everyone, I said, look, if he's willing to sacrifice his position and his principles on gun rights, what other conservative and Republican moral high grounds is he going to step off of? And I said, is it going to be abortion? And here we are. He immediately deflecting and saying, well, I don't think that the mayor should say anything about these policies. Hey, fun fact, if you're a politician, you're expected to have opinions on politics. I know that's shocking to a lot of people, but if you run for office, people are going to ask you about the politics that are going on in the area that you're serving. That's just a fact of life. That's just how those things go. So when you take a look at Shreve, who, by the way, has the opposition running ability of a dead moose in the middle of a highway, I don't really (laughs) understand. I I mean, it's so easy to punch Joe Hogsett. It's so easy to win this election, and he's doing everything he can to make himself cancerous to the people of Indianapolis. You're right, and it's a total deflection, because you watch the abortion commercial from Shreve. He mentions he's a Catholic, and family values are this and that to him, 
But he goes on to say that, you know, it's not the mayor's job to take police officers away from what's going on to arrest doctors and people having abortions. So it was a total deflection. But you're so right, Tony. There are so many things that you could beat Joe Hogsett up on. Why even dip your toe into the abortion water? Why not just... Where was he he during the riots? Right. And, And by the way, why has he also not released his medical information over the last couple of years? I, I mean, there, there's all kinds of sketchy stuff that was going around concerning Hogsett and his medical records. Shreve's not touching it. Why? Because perhaps that information would reveal that, that Hogsett is unfit to be mayor of Indianapolis. Or maybe there are some questions that the state or the feds should be asking about Joe Hogsett. Shreve isn't touching that. Why? Well, because he has campaign managers that are more, in, I guess, are more obsessed over weird moderate Republican poll numbers out of Chicago than they are about Indianapolis. Let's get back into Hogsett for a minute, because I think this is very interesting. Now, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but you're an investigative reporter, so I'm going to run this by you. We all know what the rumors are. Let's not act like we don't know what the rumors are. Joe Hogsett rumored, allegedly, in rehab during the riots in Indianapolis. Let's just play ball here. If that were indeed the case, Tony, let's just say he was in rehab somewhere in the state of Indiana. Would that have to be on a medical report or not? Yes, that would be, especially after I may or may not have spoken to one of the nurses that worked at said rehab facility. Um, so I, I don't know, but like, let's just say if there was a nurse off the record who communicated to me that if Joe Hogsett happened to be at this particular rehab facility, not like visiting, like when you're in Monopoly and you're visiting jail, but checked into right. said rehab facility because, you know, you have a problem. You're the mayor of Indianapolis, but you can't keep it together yourself. You know, then perhaps it should be on your medical record and perhaps the people who have elected you to serve should know about that. I have one policy regarding people I vote in. I should get to know everything about you because I am electing you to hold the responsibilities that govern this area that I have elected you to. So, yeah, I think that Hogsett's medical records should be released. You'd think Shreve would ask about it. But again, the dude has the political acumen of a dead, rotting tree stump. Is it required for these candidates to turn in their medical forms? Because for years we kept hearing about Donald Trump's taxes. He won't turn in his taxes. We heard about that for years. Is it required that medical information be turned in from these candidates? No, not according to the Indiana Constitution, not according to anything in the federal Constitution. Uh, We only started collecting long-term medical records in the 20th century. Uh, There are no grand sweeping statutes. It's considered a good faith thing to show. Um, And by the way, it's also a a nice political football. I'm willing to be more transparent with you than my opponent is, has been a great argument for the entirety of human history. And so while it's not a legal requirement, it is in some states in Nebraska and Louisiana and in Texas, there are regions where certain financial and medical documents are required uh, to be submitted. Indiana is not one of them yet. Uh, but I mean, you know, given the, some of the things that I know about some of our legislators and higher officials, I, I understand that you may not want that kind of a law to be on the books. It's almost September. We're electing the mayor in November, and Jefferson Shreve has not gone after Joe Hogsett for being missing during the riots. And again, I told this to Rob earlier, Tony. I'm not mad that Joe Hogsett went to rehab. Hell, I hope he got the help that he needed. What I'm right. mad about was when this city was under siege, 
Who was calling the shots? Who told the IMPD to stand down? Who was making those decisions? Because Joe Hogsett was elected to make those decisions. But if he was in rehab, that's a problem. You know, I have a very simple policy when it comes to political officials or if I ever ran for office or, heck, even how I handle my journalism. I have no skeletons in the closet, period. Ask me whatever you want, and I will own up to those decisions. And you know what? If I'm unfit to be someone that you read or someone that someday you vote in for office, then you won't vote for me, and that's just how that goes. But whenever an individual clings to some kind of secret closet door that they want to shut out from the public, that arises some really decent questions, which you hit right on the head. Who was calling the shots? You know, who allowed the windows of Fogo de Chao to get smashed in while the police, I guess, just kind of stood idly by because they weren't allowed to move in at that particular moment? Those are questions that I have. And not just the the wealthier um, establishment buildings in in the downtown, but I mean, people were parading through neighborhoods and, and again, chasing individuals down on some side streets just for standing there. That was a horrible moment in Indianapolis history. And Joe Hogsett treated it with the flippancy of a maid who was fired two weeks ago, but is still forced to come to work. And Joe Hogsett does not run his own Twitter account. We know this. Uh, We believe it was his assistant, Thomas Cook, that put the tweet out in the wee hours of the morning after night number one. And then night number two, which everybody knew was coming. Everybody in the city knew that Saturday was going to be the exact same, if not worse, than what Friday was in Indianapolis. Mayor was nowhere to be found. We didn't see Joe Hawkset again until Sunday morning when he came out and blamed the police for things. And Jefferson Shreve will not go after Joe Hawkset because of that. It baffles me, Tony. I want to make one thing crystal clear to every single person who is currently listening to this. The people who you elect to office rarely, if ever, run their positions. These are the college interns that they hire to be staffers. I'm talking in the mayor's offices. I'm talking about uh, the representatives and the senators in the Indiana State House. The individuals who are often between the ages of 19 and 30 who Google things to solve all of their problems are the ones who are doing the majority of the running in your state and local governments. Because these individuals are often too lazy or too fool-focused to do their jobs. And Joe Hogsett is yet another clear example of that kind of inadequacy and ineptitude. One more thing here before we take a break, and I really think this is important, and I don't want to gloss this over because you kind of threw a bomb at me earlier. You may or may not have spoken with someone in the rehab facility that Joe Hogsett allegedly was rumored to be in? Yes, I have. And uh, all I'm going to say at this point, because I need to be very careful, because number one, you have to be careful to make sure that I don't encourage a nurse to violate HIPAA, Correct. the Medical Privacy Act. And I would never do that. I don't want to be in any of that kind of a situation. But as someone who has worked in various parts of the education and some of the medical areas in Indiana knows, there are ways that you can kind of finagle and work around that to basically get confirmation that a person was at a specific place at a specific time. And the only thing I can say right now on the record is, It would not be very good for his political campaign to release his medical records, but uh, yes, it would be uh, a good thing for perhaps everyone else in the city of Indianapolis if Joe Hogsett revealed where he was, definitely at a rehab facility during the time of the riots. Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for The Daily Signal. Can you stick around for one more quick break? Sure. I want to get your thoughts on the Don't Tread on Me backpack story, which is crazy. That's coming up next. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Back with Tony Kennett, investigative reporter of The Daily Signal, and coming soon, host here on 93 WIBC every evening. Uh, this story about the kid, I believe it was in Colorado, Tony, who had the backpack with the iconic Don't Tread on Me on it, and was basically told that you can't have that in school because you know, racism. Uh, This story is so crazy. Take me through what you think. Absolutely. There's a school in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in which 12-year-old Jaden Rodriguez was told that uh, he was not allowed to wear this uh, backpack that had a patch on the back that's the Gadsden flag, and that's with the rattlesnake, don't tread on me. And was told he was told, and his parents were told in a meeting that the parents wisely put a hidden camera in and recorded that this was because the Gadsden flag represented slavery and the slave trade, which, by the way, is not even remotely true at all. Came from Ben Franklin. That's where the rattlesnake imagery came from, by the way, huge abolitionist. And then later on, Christopher Gadsden, uh, colonial um, Navy, uh, basically submitted a version of the Don't Tread on Me flag to be the first naval jack, a.k.a. the first flag that our ships flew. But the school was you know, going to kick him out because he was wearing this Don't Tread on Me patch, which is incredible. And then there was this major national backlash. I wrote a story on it, spoke to some members of local media over there. And at this point, the school sent out like a small thing and said, well, it wasn't the don't tread on me patch. It was actually he had a bunch of patches that had semi-automatic weapons and we asked him to remove them. Well, we've actually seen photos of his backpack. There were no semi-automatic weapons on there unless you count swords <laughs> like this, like the, a patch for the patron St. Michael holding like an angel with a sword. Right. That was one of the patches. So I guess semi-automatic weapons include swords now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so that's hilarious. But then they've now doubled back on that because people got mad at them and said, wait a minute, you never mentioned any semi-automatic weapons in the meeting. You talked about slavery. So the school's changing their story yet again. Like we all don't have emails right in front of our face that tell exactly why they were mad at one of the most popular American flags in history. And the best part about the whole situation, if you watch the video, and you can find the video anywhere on social media, because the parent recorded their interaction with the uh, the teacher, the kid is basically laughing at the lunacy <laughs> that the teacher is talking about. Yep, and by the way, folks, this is exactly why when I tell you that suburban Karens get some kind of power and then are obsessed with it, this is where it comes from. She is an, a member of the school, an administrator, and she is lecturing this this boy and their family on things she knows nothing about. And then when they prove her wrong in the meeting and actually cite the history of the Gadsden flag, where it comes from and why, she says, well, I'm just defending school policy. I'm just defending school policy. <laughs> like that's, And there's no policy she can point to either. So... If you have staff that don't know basic U.S. history, if you have staff that cannot point to a policy for an example of why something is the way it is, for example, Mike Hanna in South Madison Community School Corporation, then you should get a better school staff. Either elect a better school board who will fire people or change schools, go somewhere where the staff respects parents and students. What are you working on at the Daily Signal? Uh, actually, South Madison Community School Corporation is at it again. Uh, Mike Hanna and his cronies have been forced to kind of uh, back off. They told the public um, that they were guests at the school board meeting, and the school board meeting belongs to school board members. Guess what? That's not how the law works. 
So writing a story on that, also some weird ways in how they addressed a sexual assault survivor. And a few other investigative stories coming out pretty soon. Uh, out of Florida, pastor that was silenced when reading from an explicit book at a school board meeting. The country's on fire, and uh, we've got to shine a light on it, I guess. Keep digging. Keep doing your job, man. Uh, you're doing God's work, Tony Kennett. We appreciate you. Thank you guys very much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.